0: <laughs> Welcome to Walk It Offs. Happy, happy Hour Hang. I got a little Easter in my in my in my verbiage there and said happy hour hang. Not what I meant to do. Uh, we're excited to be here midweek uh, with your hosts, Drew. That's me. That's you. And uh and Dave. That's you. Bam! That's me adding some seasoning to this show. That's <laughs> what I'm doing here.
1: Yeah, you, uh, you're you cooking it up today. We're ready to go. I know we had a lot of topics in here. We're going to make it a gumbo. Uh, how many other similes can we get in here? Uh, maybe a little jumbo. Is this for Steph Curry? You should use Chef?
0: Not tonight. He's playing the Suns, dude. <laughs> Come on. Come on. This is for... So besides the fact that we always have something cooking up, uh, besides that, thank you, we always do, this is because... You have a beautiful Memphis Grizzlies shirt on, and you're repping our two playoff-bound teams, Smashville, and the Memphis Grizz. Well,
1: Locked I walked
0: in. I walked into here, not being able to represent anybody because let's just let's just put it frankly, quarantine has helped me outgrow both my Predators shirt and and my Grizzlies shirt. So oh no, I know, not cool. I'm, I'm hatless. I have a Sounds hat, but I do not have either of their hats. I've been wanting a Smash hat. haven't gotten one. You know that every time that we've gone to a game, which it's been a while, we always look at the the Preds merch, and then I just haven't walked away with anything. But I do still intend on getting a uh, Winter Classic jersey at some point. I love them. It's going to wind up in my closet.
1: Thought about wearing that today, too, but we'll have more chances because the Preds are in the playoffs.
0: That's exactly right.
1: So this is the only
0: thing I have. This is all I have is a gasol oh gosh a Mark Gasol sorry I I knew I would do that a Mark Gasol apron and I figured the chef hat goes with it might as well.
1: It's a good luck. You're styling for this happy hour hang. Thank you. What you uh, what you cooking up? What you what you got? That a Topo Chico? It over is there? A, it
0: is a Topo Chico. I am I am <laughs> not on the booze train again tonight. That's just because I did my damage over the weekend uh, and last night because I was at a baseball game, Drew, for the first time in ages. And when I walked in and saw the stars in the sky and felt that summer breeze and heard the balls hitting the mitts, it was such a cool feeling. Even though it was kind of an eerily quiet entrance and everything, it it was really spectacular to be back in that space.
1: Oh, man, I can absolutely believe it, because we just got that today here in Nashville. six one five. Nashville Sounds played a game at home for the first time in damn near two years. <sighs> and it felt real good. Uh, I bet. They didn't pitch so good, but it felt real good.
0: Well, you know, I frankly, and you know I'm a, a Sounds fan, you know I'm rooting for them, but I don't care how they play. I just want to be at that park, watching them play. And enjoy, enjoying fair. it. I It, it trumps it. I, I was even talking with a friend of mine who is a giant baseball fan. Uh, I don't know if he would rival you because you're, you're peak tops on my list in terms of baseball fans that I know, but a guy who played baseball, a guy who continues to play in adult leagues, a guy who's in fantasy and things like that. So, has all the perspectives that make him a, a baseball fan. And, of course, uh, a does couple. he
1: host his own radio show, huh? No. No. <laughs>
0: But who? But who does? I know. And, he, and he's a Chicago, and so we'll forgive him. Uh, although the curse has been lifted, he, he he was even acknowledging the same thing. Just like, even if it's a bad game, even if it's a game you don't care about, coming into the stadium and just being a part of it, it, it just it just feels good. Even if you're not even paying attention to the game, which we've talked about, Sound Stadium is. One of the mostly good things about it, it can be a drawback sometimes, is all the people they are not paying attention also. So I don't want to fully stand behind box. it, but the band box. But it also adds to it. It just makes it a place, and it's, it has created such a unique atmosphere.
1: Absolutely, Matt. And we'll, uh, we'll see you out there. You'll get another chance to see us this week because there is a Throwback Thursday. And I know you're not in town right now, but when you were... And I'll still keep that up. We do not miss Throwback Thursdays on the berm. I think they're and it will called... will be opened back up to capacity.
0: That's exciting. Uh, and with the new food. And that makes me even more excited for what really should be called, and is, in the common vernacular, <laughs> Thirsty Thursday.
1: We still call it that. We still
0: call it Thirsty Thursday.
1: We're, we're trying to do solid because it's the beginning of a new season. But, yeah, we, we still call it Thirsty Thursdays.
0: Absolutely. There's, which is what it is. There's a space for both. Let's, we'll give them the proper name and acknowledge that when I text you about Thursdays, it's Thirsty Thursday.
1: <laughs> Man, it's just so good to have the sounds back and have baseball back. Man, that, that must have felt great getting out to that D-backs game. Yep. In your swanky seats. They, know, they were pretty sweet superstars. seats. get those kind of seats, right?
0: You know, when you're, uh, when you're this big of a deal. I mean, look, this, this makes me like six foot six right here. So uh,
1: it's... Uh, Not exactly how we got treated at the Grizz game the other night. But hey, that's all right.
0: <laughs> no, no. And I was thinking of you because the couple of games that I've been to, Suns game, Diamondbacks game, seem like they've been opposite experiences. The Suns just have an incredible energy behind them, which if this thing was happening last year, would not have been the case, right? But the Grizz deserve to be in the same spot the Suns have been. Now, the the obviously the records are different. The kind of outbursts that they're having this season are different. But the Grizz are one of the most exciting teams in the NBA, and they're they're doing it. Like they haven't turned that corner yet, but they are they are in the new new wave using old parlance gritting and grinding their way through this, and they're doing it in their own new way. And they really deserve next-gen. They really deserve to be one of those exciting teams that has that vibe. So I really hope the playoffs flips that switch and it carries into next year for for the home
1: environment. We'll still have yet to see where they're going to end up, but put it on lock tonight. The Grizz are playing in the postseason. Clinched it with that blowout win over the Mavs, that was that felt good. It
0: did. That big third quarter, too, man. That team ju- just exploded, and that's what you need to do. When I, when I played basketball, the mantra was, and you, every coach, every team has a mantra, but first and third, start out hot. You know, it, of course you want to finish the game nicely, and there's always a secondary mantra of, like, take a lead into halftime <laughs> so so ultimately it's like win all the time
1: yeah try to win all the time. <laughs> yeah yeah it, it turns into was John, John Madden, your yeah, I was gonna say it turns
0: into a John Madden analysis <laughs> just just outscore them at the end of every quarter and
1: you're gonna end up winning that game and you're gonna
0: end up winning that game you'll wind up on top but uh <laughs> but truthfully if you come out hot in that first quarter in that third quarter it is so demoralizing to another team and what the what the Grizz did to the Mavs in the third quarter did that I mean you could tell during the game and in the comments afterwards that the Mavs were on their heels. They did not have their footing. And that's not because, they'll say it's because they didn't play well, but it's not because of that so much as it is the Grizz came out and they really kept them off kilter.
1: Man, I'm ready for postseason action. We still don't know whether it's going to be the play-in tournament. It still looks like it likely will be. But you got to get that eight seed. You got to get that seven seed. Win one game instead of having to win two in a row to move on to the real playoffs. And as much as the players seem to hate it, as much as purists hate it, it's definitely made these last couple of weeks of the NBA season a little more exciting and exciting for us as radio hosts and analysts to talk about. That you've got all these extra permutations, extra possibilities of where teams end up with this play-in tournament and. Yeah you know teams battling for the 6th seed to stay out of the play in tournament you got such a logjam in both conferences right now it does make pretty fun and god damn it the lakers just tied it up again
0: <laughs> this is frustrating for you and I we were getting prepped i was we we were tracking the suns and the and the uh warriors which obviously has big implications for for the Grizz, if the Warriors would have won, Suns had the
1: Suns had won this game, I the Grizz would be an eighth.
0: I know. If they had, I, I would switch that. I would have switched this win for the Knicks win. I, I would have done that to make you happier and to support the Knicks, but or the Grizz. But alas, they gave it up in the fourth quarter, outscored thirty to eighteen or something like that. And now the Lakers have come back against your Knicks to tie it up ninety-one with three seconds left. This is this is going. To, we're getting free basketball
1: here. Every time we pick up these mics to start recording, we get a shocking ending of a game. <laughs> so
0: I can't tell. Does that mean we're good luck that we give away free sports, or is it bad luck that our teams wind up being in jeopardy and ultimately <laughs> losing sometimes? Knock on wood for your Knicks.
1: Man, we'll, we'll see what happens. But yeah, we're following that one, of course, because the Lakers are currently in that seven spot in the play-in tournament right there ahead of the Grizzlies. So move on up. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Yep. Man, I can't believe it was locked tonight, but job ain't finished.
0: Nope. There's still time. And this is, this is where the team is made. We we've talked about how important it is to have playoff experience and what's great about being in this position. And what I think is one of the great bonuses of having the play in on the line is we, these are not only are these final regular season games, playoff games, essentially, but now you get extra playoff games. And, and let's say they wind up a nine seed where they are right now. You could knock the, the play in games, but the Grizzlies would not be in the playoffs under normal circumstances, under the previous circumstances, if that didn't exist. So giving, and giving this team playoff experience like that is one of the most critical things we could do at this juncture because they're on the cusp. They're young. They've got the time to do that. Like, this isn't championship year. It'd be, they have a. They, who knows but this is when they need to develop all of that so next year they can be a contender
1: yeah this year isn't championship or bust obviously that's that's good that's all well said good analysis right there but it, it is a year to show some progress you want to win a playoff series that would be so great get battle tested yep. at least get yourself into one of the real series how unfair does it seem that the Lakers are find themselves in this play-in tournament spot, and the other three teams in that play-in tournament are just the absolute blue bloods of the NBA? I, <laughs> Lakers, Warriors, and Spurs, really?
0: Yeah, I mean they climb up into the Mavericks, they're just one spot in, and I mean did that and the Blazers st- you just and,
1: passed the Mavs.
0: I know, it, but then again, then you start. For, this is taking away from your point because your point was awesome. Those are the true blue bloods, especially over the last. 20 years, but the uh, the Western Conference is chock full of that stuff. They really are. I mean, all of these teams, with the exception of the Clippers and arguably the Nuggets, even though they've been a competitive team, every other team in the playoffs right now for the West have been perennially good teams and and you have give
1: that to Phoenix. You're really going to give that to Phoenix?
0: I think Phoenix has the. <laughs> I think Phoenix had. first off, I said the last 20 years. So uh, <laughs> second, second, uh, Phoenix has like. So the- you're
1: counting the Malone and Stockton Jazz too. <laughs> I-, I mean, yeah,
0: actually, honestly, that was going through my head because after that, you're right, you kind of take them off the list. So
1: 25 years, 25 years. Okay. <laughs> but I-, I,
0: need to- I need to do some Googling here while-, while we're here. But I know that the Phoenix Suns, I believe, have the fourth best win percentage in the NBA in the history of the NBA. And that's a team that's been around since 1968. And when, before they turned into the turds of the NBA in 2011, they had the number one winning percentage in the history of the NBA. They made the playoffs like 12 years straight, including the entire decade of the 90s, perennially a team that was in that mix until this last 10 year stretch. So, Yes, Drew. Okay, I don't okay, like okay. arguing with I will you, man. The Phoenix but they point. I will see belong the point. Thank you. I came prepared.
1: Misezons
0: receipts. Misezons place, if to to, to use a, a chef's term.
1: <laughs> oh man, it's it's fun though. It's great times to be a Nashville sports fan too. So yes. I'm going to take this narrative back from you out Thank there. Thank you. Phoenix. I want I want to twist. Drag around. it on here. Thank you talking about the Grizz locking up their playoff spot in some shape or form tonight and fighting back through some adversity man, coming up hovering around 500 all season and having a couple bad losses that that game against the Knicks that got to be in attendance for where they just totally lost their cool and melted down but then you saw them fight back, you know, the way John Morant answered back the next night against Minnesota was so impressive And they're still in that answering form. They're winning big games, beating teams above them in the standings, like the Mavs, with authority, winning on the second game of a back-to-back. Everything about that is encouraging tonight. And, of course, last night, we had just one of the most beautiful sights I can remember in Nashville sports, man. The Preds have given us so many special moments. And, look, not uh, not to toot our own horn, but if you tuned in on the show on Sunday we told you not to think about the game on Monday as just a throwaway game as the game that doesn't mean anything after this playoff matchups are already locked in two teams that will be playing each other in the first round of the playoffs. So they're not going to want to give anything away, but there was that potential sitting there that this could be Pecorino's last game, both as a Nashville predator and in the NHL. He hasn't officially said he's retiring, but all signs seem to be pointing towards that. And when he got that start in that final regular season game on Monday, right here in Smashville, the atmosphere was electric. And seeing the way his teammates reacted to him, just hugs and stick taps, the Smashville standing O, letting him get on the ice and skate by himself, it sure seemed like that was Pecorino's last game. Well, way to send him off for the home fans one more time. And holy shit, was it storybook. It was Misty here at the barn, man. Pekka comes out here after, you know, falling to the backup spot this season with the Preds. Gets in that game for the first time uh, in, what, almost 20 days? Maybe more than that. Almost a month. First time Pekka gets to start. He goes out there and he is vintage. Vintage Pekka. The hashtag Pekka for Vezina that we were pumping a couple years ago that he ended up winning. That was the Pekka we got to see on the ice save after save looked unstoppable and ends up with a 30 save shutout victory as the Preds just fed off that energy from the crowd, fed off that energy from Pekka and made for one of the more special nights that I can remember as a Preds fan. Cause that just felt so good to a guy who might be the most important player in Preds history.
0: I, I mean, I think, I think it's, I think it's inarguable now. Like, not that there aren't players that you could talk about that, but but he he's been the pivotal person through this successful playoff streak. He's been the pivotal person between the best season in the history, the two best seasons in the history of the Predators. Their Stanley Cup run, although they eked it in, in the final seed, but and then and then walking away with the President's Cup. Uh, that is. I, I don't think that you can take that away from him at this point, that he's been the most important player. What I think is potential now is that as some of these other players either move on or retire over the next decade less, maybe, or so, that some we might consider some others in that category because some of those guys are still on our team uh, and, and playing really well and making an impact, and especially if this team keeps going, we're going to have a harder decision to make as to who is the most important player in Predators history. That's a good problem to have because we have been turning out great players and it was so cool to be able to honor one of them. Uh especially Pekka who's been my favorite player since before we even went crazy here. I mean, I love I've got some friends in Milwaukee used to watch him uh play up there and you know as an admiral as an admiral and you know the the description as I've heard of him being like Bambi, right? These little like stick legs <laughs> sliding all over the ice, and here, here he's just this fully developed, you know, Vezina Trophy winner, and and just an awesome dude too. Uh, I just, I just, I just love the guy, and be, there are few players that I've loved as much as I love Pecorine. and that's just that just adds to how emotional and cool it was to see. The players honor him. Ultimately, the crowd honor him, especially during, you know, a a COVID season. And to see him, and you heard his comments afterwards that that wasn't his comfort zone, but to see him embrace that, I mean, to see Pekka out on the ice alone like that was just a really cool sight and something that was very well-deserved no matter what happens next.
1: That was absolutely beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful, man. Just to, to let somebody who's meant that much to our city, to our franchise, to have that storybook ending, to not have the Albert Pujols ending. Yep. Yeah. It was just so great to see. And again, yeah, you nailed it, man. The, in a season where the fans are just starting to get back in numbers, to be there for that, to be there to give the Smashville standing O the Preds to come out there and get a five-nothing victory with all cylinders firing going into the playoffs, big-time energy to get a frosty goal. Yep. <laughs> Everybody's happy. It was just a an absolutely special, special night uh, here in Smashville, and we we couldn't get enough of watching that. It, we couldn't choose which videos, which posts, which pictures we wanted to post up on our Instagrams or anything. You know, all that at walk-it-off radio stuff. We just wanted to make it all Pecorine all the time. But yep. Love, love it that guy. was a spectacular night. And there was so much other great stuff going on. You know, we kind of ignored a lot of other big stories in the sports world because this one took over our hearts, our city. Man, it was, it was very cool. So we yeah. had to make sure we added some Pecorine merchandise to our little... Yeah, we're building it out now, now that we know we're on video. Nice, nice. I got, I
0: got that little guy there for us, too.
1: Looks good. Adding. See, we got to add this, the sports merch out here, now that we know that we're going to be on video for these happy hour hangs. That's right. We can we can add our backgrounds that we got going on right now. So Boa getting joined by a Pecorine signed book back there. And we we got a lot more stuff here. We won't show it all to you right away, but... We got some more special stuff coming up for you. I love. He it, He looks too. good sitting there on that shelf.
0: I love your setup too, man. And you're right. Like one of the things I wanted to highlight about him too is it was cool because I haven't been tracking Pekka's uh, career stats that much. You know, I,
1: mean, I, I just Sixtieth shutout. Sixtieth nice
0: shutout. And and for him to move into nineteenth on the all time list alone with that final game, it just added to all the great. I don't know, like, kismet things like that just happened that night. Just a shutout 5-0 to, ha- to beat this team we're about to play in a dominant fashion, to go out at home that way, for him to have 30 saves in just a really, like you said, vintage, awesome performance.
1: And some unreal saves.
0: Some unreal ones. Like, he's still got it. And that's what is going to really stink when he if and when he moves on is going to be tough to see him somewhere else if that's the case. And now retirement, I think, is probably something that's on on his agenda too but i also wanted to point out looking at this list of the top 20 top 19 in terms of in terms of shutout totals you know he's number 19 right now
1: martin broder everyone else everyone
0: else yeah huge gap he's got 125 103 is the is the next but there are three players on that list that have played for only one franchise and that's it every one of them have have gone to at least two franchises and I know that's likely Marty and that's how it works. That. What's that?
1: Even Marty can't say that. Even
0: Marty can't say that. It's exactly right. I mean, he he wound up making one change, but and, and that may be in the in the path for for Pekka, but it's uh it's really cool to know that so much of that happened with our franchise and that just makes him even more married to Smashville.
1: No doubt, man. That's that is special. Uh, we talk about that a lot with base of the franchise type players. You always like to see that one uniform for your whole career. And yeah, we when you were mentioning you know that most important player thing, he also served as that bridge between a good point. the two other guys who are probably in that conversation. The two Fred's captains, the legendary, you know, absolute pinnacle defenseman that you could ask for in Shea Weber and Roman Yossi right, right now. And then of course, to the old heads, who are you gonna say uh, David Leguan's basically the answer to every Preds trivia question. (laughs) That's true. That's true. (laughs) It's all about Leggy and Tutu, right? And
0: Tutu, yeah. Jordan Tutu. Yeah. Yeah, it's...
1: Steve Sullivan? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Thomas Vocoon right back then? Giving a little bit of legitimacy to the young franchise?
0: That's true. There's been a lot of great names in this franchise, and... Uh, but I think that just makes him stand out even more. Is that he's he's done that and and you know and you know I I think honestly I think one of the names that it doesn't deserve in that conversation but will go down attached to it for such a small amount of time is PK Subban too for what he did for for the Preds and, and bridging that defensive gap too between
1: uh, he definitely raised the profile he
0: raised the profile National and the
1: media profile and
0: the performance bar he well at least he was a part of that he wasn't alone in that but he he did so. I mean I think he's a pivotal guy as well but uh but not at the level of all those other guys for sure but he'll be remembered I think you know when you talk about I don't and honestly I don't know how the Hall of Fame does their busts or whatever but you know the debate in the MLB always is like which hat are they going to wear and you know I, it wouldn't surprise me if he want if he would wound up going in with a with a Predators cap even though you know I know I know he uh he,
1: too bad? That would surprise me but <laughs>
0: I don't know. I think, it's, I think it was one of the more pivotal times in his career. But we'll see. We'll see how it winds up.
1: Maybe if him and Lindsay stuck it out.
0: Yeah, I know. Uh, oh, heartbreak. <laughs> I know. I follow their dogs on Instagram. But <laughs> poor dogs.
1: Yeah, there we go. There we go. He had the video game cover. He did, yeah. yeah. National, national profile type I, stuff. And guys. a Stanley Cup
0: appearance. Not, it, uh, doesn't, that's not a light, a light thing damn straight, man.
1: But ah, yeah. And then on the forward end, this was the first season in what, seven years that it wasn't Phil Forsberg or Victor Arvinson leading the team in goals. Yeah. That likely would have been Phil if he wasn't injured for the, pretty much the end half of the season. But
0: yeah, that was a, that was a bit, well, that stirred up a lot of our, of our team and records for this year. I mean, I mean, look, even on the on the list high up there generally is, you know, Ely Tolvin and things like that in terms of points and goals. So, you know, these young guys Wolverine came in and made a, a difference. weapon on the
1: power play made a For big sure. difference. And what about Tanner Janot, man? Yeah. Five goals in 15 games as part of that energy line, adding the real grit, the sandpaper to that lineup that we needed so much. That's been spectacular. Yeah. everything about that game. <laughs> With Pecorino, his final, if it was his final game, just everything about that game was good vibes, man. The Preds have had that we vibing meme going around like in their that. post-game conferences, and it all came together. The vibe all came together in that game. I mean, you had the, the struggling guys you want to get started before the playoffs, Duchesne, Johansson, scoring goals in that game. You had power play goals. You had shorthanded goals. You had the guy you want to stay hot, Tanner Genot, scoring a goal. It was just an absolutely special night. It was. Of and course I by the shutout from Rene. Of course.
0: And <laughs> and one of the things, what one of the things I really loved about it is we've talked all year about these major investments, these t- players that we want to make a difference step up. Uh and we had two goals from Duchesne. Like these things that just Have not been a part of the equation like it could be major major chapters for a
1: a playoff push so ready so ready ready. i'm so happy we got this uh we got this midweek happy hour hanging in here because we won't be there sunday night this week that's right but we'll have plenty to talk about and man I, i can't remember so much happening in the one or two days after we went off the air on sunday night no this necessitated a midweek hang all these great stories, especially that, you know, Pecorino, the Grizzlies making it, the sounds opening the stadium up, finally. Man, we're, we're so hyped to get to be back out there, to be at the stadium, man. It's it's just absolutely special. And then we almost missed on all of our, you know, swooning over that game with the Preds. Russell Westbrook did it. He, he broke Oscar Robinson's records for the most triple doubles in NBA history. I mean, I can remember a time where I thought Oscar Robinson's averaging a triple double for a complete season was one of the untouchable records in sports.
0: I I thought that until a year or two ago. I really Not did. Until
1: Westbrook did it, what four out of the last five years? Yeah. How did he go on this tear?
0: I don't know. It's truly special. It's truly magical. I think it's truly underrated. I'm really blown away by the little amount of fanfare that's come along with this. I mean, it's certainly been acknowledged, but this is parade-worthy stuff. I mean, parades are off limits right now, guys. But, but still, this is
1: Oh, thats the Tom Brady. Yeah,
0: fair enough. <laughs> uh, I, Oscar or uh, Oscar Robinson's record. You're right; it was up there with what I find are mostly baseball. Records that are that seem untouchable—the hit streak, the the starting streak uh, by Cal Ripken. Uh, these things—it's just like you have Those to be are untouchable. They, I think, they're fully untouchable. But I really, really would have said, "Well, what's the basketball equivalent?" I would have said this one, and this is—it blows my mind that he's done this. And you look at—he gets sold short so often. But look at this list. Seashells
1: like, by the sea seashells.
0: I know. Uh, it's it's water, I swear. Uh, Russell Westbrook, number one. Oscar Robertson, number two. Magic Johnson, number three. Jason Kidd, LeBron James, Wilt Chamberlain, Larry Bird, James Harden, Jokic, Fat Lever, Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic way already up there. That's special too. But Ooh. that is a hell of a list. And that is a record and a statistic that not only shows consistent performance but I truly think and I I said this on the show before and it can be debated because of the product of his teams and the feedback from his teammates that is a team player that is somebody who's doing everything to help his team when you're rebounding that's hustle you don't rebound unless you're a hustler at that level you don't pass if you're not running plays and you're not seeing your teammates you're not studying their skills and their strengths and and you and you certainly well, you, you can score by being a jerk. We watched Kobe Bryant for years, but this is—I <laughs> uh, it, I think it's true. I think it's truly special, and we—I'm glad we're pausing to acknowledge that that he did this because it's it's a cool milestone.
1: Yeah, these aren't like you know, chasing getting your own rebound—the infamous moves to fill out a triple double. Yes, some of these stat lines he's been putting up are stat lines that have never been done before in the history of the nba by nobody else just the sheer number the sheer volume of these numbers that he's been putting up are insane he you know he calls himself the best playmaker in the league and how are you going to argue with that how can you some of these stat lines he's putting up there before the season started this is something i i really wanted to bring back we talked about in our nba preview about two teams with a little bit higher expectations this season that we thought might sneak into the playoffs, especially because of offseason additions. We specifically said, Chris Paul ups the level of any team he joins. If Chris Paul's joining your team, especially a team that had success previously, that had that momentum from last year's bubble, that team's going to improve, lock it in. Yeah. We, I don't even think we expected a number one seed in the West type improvement, but chris paul does that for a team and it's not that big a surprise to see him having an nba quality year and lifting the suns up along with him it's that unfathomable intensity that competitiveness and the other guy that also switched teams that we said russell westbrook if you put him on a team of nobody else that team is a threat for a number eight seed in the playoffs they're going to make a playoff run.
0: Yep. It, you're <laughs> He's right. a player it's who cruising. doesn't
1: need teammates. And yeah, he. when it came down to it, it's been his play and Bradley Beal, of course, challenging Steph Curry for the scoring title in yeah. a great race right now yeah. uh, coming down to the wire. But yeah, Westbrook was the absolute key to this giant winning streak that was put together, putting themselves in that playoff spot. Yep, and ready to go into the postseason for a team that was absolutely buried and dead.
0: Very, very well said. This, but and I think the Bradley Beal example is great here too because when you talk about Chris Paul, you know what they say every time when they say why Chris Paul is helps his team in that way. Every time they say it's because he makes other players better. That's what they always say about the elite point guards too. They make other players better, and that's what, frankly, they've never the knock on Westbrook. That's not exactly. They've not said that about him. But look at Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal has always been a talented player. I love Bradley Beal. Like he, he, this is not something that is surprising by a large margin. But you have to align his incremental improvement this year, the fact that he's battling for the scoring title with Russell Westbrook being in that lineup and changing the dynamic on the team and making him a better player and opening up opportunities for him. I think it's an example of Russell showing that he can do that and that he's developed that skill to be better at it over years as well.
1: Those are two players that that I've been wrong about. We're just giving ourselves credit for being right in our season preview. We'll be honest here and say some calls that we were wrong about. I always thought of Beal and Devin Booker as kind of your empty calorie type players. Guys who will fill up the... Get their buckets, fill up the score sheet, but not really add to a winning team. Yeah. They're your classic good numbers on a bad team type of guys. I'm happy to be wrong about both of them, seeing them step up, seeing them both make an absolute leap to the upper levels of the NBA. And a lot of that can be attributed to getting the right teammates.
0: There's you no know, Booker got made a step
1: before Chris Paul got there this year. But it's been a next-level type of deal this season. He makes the All-Star team, albeit as a replacement. Uh, but, but, still, but
0: again, also.
1: Second An All-Star in the Western Conference. Yep, yep. And yeah, you you add Chris Paul, you add Russell Westbrook. These guys are maniacally competitive and intense. Yeah. They work harder than everybody else. They'll be there in the practice court. They'll be working on everything. They're looking for every tiny little advantage on a basketball court. Yep. And that's going to rub off on your team. And that's why we felt so confident in saying that these guys are just part of winning teams.
0: No doubt. And and it and it exposes the third pillar of the tripod, I guess, whatever you want to call it. Which arguably the fans are also another pillar. Uh, but the the players, the coach, and then you have the front office. And We know how important that is for individual player performance, for team chemistry, and ultimately for a successful team. And it's overlooked a lot. I mean, sure, we knock owners, we knock GMs. And we certainly give credit when the Spurs create an an incredible uh, uh, culture and Pat Riley does the same thing. But this is the kind of thing that says that there's a good front office there. And when you compare it, to other times in their careers, you can sometimes see and say that was the gap right there. Maybe they had it in them all together, all the time. It was a matter of get, of having a, a GM put the right player with them too. So it doesn't negate what you're saying. It's just another level to it. Is You have to have, for you to be successful and look good, it's not just about your individual performance and what you can do as an individual. It's about the players you have around you, which ultimately, is about the GM in the front office spending the money and choosing the right players to be around you so that you can be put in that situation and, and Devin Booker benefited from it. You it, last year was not an anomaly to, uh, uh, in regards to your point. Ricky Rubio was there. You know, we brought in some some really helpful veterans in that space and built some really some really thoughtful young guys around him that helped him grow as well uh, and of course brought in a new coach. Those things were critical to him taking that leap last year, because he could have been exactly the player you thought he was when he scored seventy. But we James Jones put those players around him, and he did that. And that's that's one of the things the Wizards deserve credit for. Is you know uh, John Wall is not a toxic individual. I think he's I think he's a great team player and a great point guard. But
1: and he was a great story early on in the season. He he really was. He really was. Before yeah. the wheels totally came off. I
0: know. I was rooting for him, and I still am. But the, the, what the Wizards did by bringing him in shows – it also shows a dedication to winning, right? Like you said, everybody knows when you bring that player in, you're pushing for a playoff spot, and you're, you're in to win because you're paying big bucks. So that speaks loudly to the team as well. Just a lot of variables to a one player's individual performance.
1: And then we get history. You know, he that's what we're here for. Breaks Oscar Robinson's all-time triple doubles record while wearing a Wizards jersey. So you got that. You get that damn history. And man, that's just a special one because that really was just, you know, before before Westbrook went on this streak in these last five seasons, I, I would have told you we'd see someone break Will Chamberlain's hundred points before we saw someone break, <laughs> you know, Oscar Robinson's triple doubles. Well, maybe we'll see so. Russell
0: Westbrook break that one too. <laughs> it's not it's not off the table but it is off the table
1: hey what if this uh storing race comes down to the last day between beal and curry i know that'd be pretty sweet curry's been a great story this season too don't don't sleep on him without clay thompson with draymond's game falling off a little bit with wiseman not really fulfilling his promise after a hot start it's been spectacular what Curry's done. Just the greatest shooter in NBA history.
0: Yeah, the greatest, arguably the greatest scorer alongside maybe Kevin Durant at this point. Um, just he can do anything. And what I like about him is he doesn't have that freakish Jordan. Uh, well, all right, Jordan's in that category, <laughs> and Kobe's in that category. So
1: put him in the conversation, right?
0: Yeah, but and and honestly, I keep I keep forgetting. Uh, um, uh, uh, I hate it when my brain my brain goes blank. Uh, uh, Dirk Nowitzki, I, I think I, I I routinely rate him the best score in the history of the NBA because he can do everything. But what him and and uh, Kevin Durant both have that Curry doesn't, and certainly Jordan didn't, and Kobe didn't, is this weird body frame that allows the end skill set that allows them to be seven foot tall and play all kinds of every position essentially and score at every point on the, on the court. So what Curry's doing is just in this weird, pure basketball setup. uh, And it's really cool to see him do that. Yeah. Shooting and, and creating space ball handling, you know, he, he knows how to, he knows how to move in space. He's, he's a really, really great
1: player. And I know you weren't going to give any love for Kareem, but.
0: No, I do. I, I he, he does deserve to be in that. And he's the predecessor to Dirk Nowitzki and Kevin Durant and, You know, even though we look at him, you know, in the center category, he he created all that versatility and incredible scoring. And, I mean, I guess you could say Hakeem Olajuwon isn't far off from that, although he was a little bit more pure uh, five center player. But,
1: yeah. When they make rules to stop you. Yeah, that's true. With Chamberlain, with Kareem. Yeah. You know something is, is real special going on there. Man, what a! Are we the most optimistic show in sports? Yes. I just Feel like there's good vibes all around right now. Always, dude. That's something I'm always, always proud of here. Me too.
0: It's because we have fun, fun doing this. About. It's because we have fun doing this.
1: Yeah, and because we don't need to, you know, we we don't need to start fights.
0: <laughs> Although you you start you tried picking a fight with me earlier, but uh, yeah, luckily well, you backed off on that one. <laughs>
1: I was, about to, well, I was about to take my chef hat look off. look at you, man. Who could fight with that?
0: <laughs> look at this intimidating face. You don't want to mess with this. Look at this apron. I know. Grit and grind, baby. Grit and grind. <laughs> Me and Zebo, man. Don't mess with us.
1: Oh, man. Oh, dude, I love it. I love it. But, hey, let's, uh, let's go into on one more thing before we get out of here tonight. Hear- we we're, were given a lot of love for the sounds earlier on. Because it feels so good to have them back. Again, it's been almost two years since we got to go to a sounds game. So this is just... Oh man, it it means the world to us. It really does. I'd love to go in on a team preview or everything, but... You summed it up well. A lot of this is the experience. We love the... uh, On the field product, of course. We love it when the sounds are winning. We love it when we see former sounds... Kicking ass in MLB, you know it's always great to see all of our guys. You know from from Prince Fielder to Ryan Braun to Giovanni Gallardo to Matt Chapman to Max Muncie. It's just great, Ramon Laureano. You know there's so many huge, huge names that we love seeing for the Sounds. But the big story is, of course, for us just having that having that outlet here in Nashville. It's just a, a special atmosphere at the ballpark. You know, this year's team with the Brewers wasn't expected to be top-end AAA. But we we mentioned, we did a little preview earlier. We mentioned some interesting prospects that they've got on this team. we got to give a shout-out to Zach Green. He's been crushing the ball early. He hit his third home run in the home opener tonight. There's a lot of, a lot of ways to be optimistic around what's going on there. And we'll, of course, find a favorite <laughs> as the season goes on. We always find somebody who just kind of puts their way into our heart as the season goes along who might not be the star but you know somebody like like jose trevino or zach granite of previous years scooter Jeanette mm. was an absolute fan favorite here there's just always uh, always a lot of fun around the team there so while we're not going to do a full team preview or anything i do really want to talk about these reports that we just heard breaking news on the day of the sounds home opener, (laughs) which felt a little bit wrong, but that MLB is pushing the A's to consider relocation. And of course, Nashville's in that conversation, the Nashville stars, the MLB to Nashville movement, all this infrastructure we have now, the nonstop building of mixed use buildings, God, I'm so fucking over that phrase. I bet. That's that's like a trigger warning now when you see, oh, another mixed-use building is going up. Yeah, yeah I bet it is. And it's going to destroy traffic and the neighborhood and whatever. whatever. That's Give me for another time. But MLB to Nashville, as unbelievable as that is, as great as that is, it, it'd be different. It'd be a completely different atmosphere than we have here with the sound. So embrace what we got for sure while we do look ahead to the future. Well said. And as far as that report does go, look, I want to be optimistic. I want to say, fuck yeah, MLB in Nashville is the right call. We've got everything going on here. Bring us in. I'll broadcast the games, no problem. Don't worry yep, about locked it. Locked in. You got your guys here. <laughs> but I, I want to say that that report was 90% negotiating tactic. The A's have this plan, this Hudson Yards plan that they've got going on for a while out there in Oakland. Coincidentally, there's a vote coming up that's been stalled for a little while and this report comes out. It feels like it's 90% trying to push Oakland to commit to more of a deal. There's, you know, it's privately funded, there's a lot of good ideas with this thing and it feels like it should get across the line after so many failures. This isn't a Rangers situation. This is a this isn't a Brave situation. This is a team that does actually really need a new stadium. Yeah. <laughs> the fifty five year old Coliseum leaking sewage every season. They deserve that. Yeah, and now they deserve some revenue.
0: Left alone over there too after after the uh the Warriors bolted so
1: and the Niners
0: and the Niners yeah and the,
1: I mean the Raiders well yeah. the Niners did too but yeah, yeah, yeah. Oakland lost the Raiders lost the Warriors yep. yeah
0: it's, uh, it's definitely needed and I mean I've been around that so I went to a Warriors game didn't go into a stadium but they're right next to each other I believe and that's it's a beat up looking little area man like just that's just the optics of it so but I, I just I just got to concur with you uh, for whatever it's worth you know that just putting it out of public is saying come on guys get your shit together if you don't, then there are multiple steps beyond that, but I wholly believe that the MLB doesn't have any intentions right now of actually shopping, besides maybe having a couple phone calls with leadership of these burgeoning teams just to say, hey, think about it, think about what it might look like, but they, I, they have no intention of doing that. I mean, this, this A's team is very likely to stay. Like you said, they've got a plan in place, just need votes, which is easier said than done, they need to they need it all to come together and have the money but it's not like they've been sitting on their hands waiting for this to happen so something is there just needs to happen quicker and according to major league baseball at, at least and this is their their pressure move so and
1: we'll you're see. right that would be miserable for Oakland to lose their last professional team
0: for sure and i mean frankly they're my favorite Oakland team <laughs> i mean I, yeah, I i love the A's and and I, Said it before. They've, they've been
1: my American League team.
0: Absolutely, it would be it would be really really bad. I mean, akin to I, I don't remember when the uh, when the A's started, but uh, they well, they it, moved
1: from Philly, right? Or yeah, pretty sure they were Philly before that.
0: That's what I'm double checking real quick. I actually didn't know that.
1: Um, Kansas City. And-
0: 1960s, that's Oakland Raiders, Oakland Athletics. I'll see what I can figure out, but uh, yeah, West Division, 1969. Oakland. And that's A-
1: when the Coliseum was built, right? <laughs> I,
0: I mean, I couldn't have been far from that. Yeah, they were the Philadelphia Athletics, so the franchise started 1901, so the franchise isn't going away, right? To 54, Kansas City, 1955 to 1967, and then 68 to now. And 68... Is nothing to sneeze at. That is, I mean, it's akin to Seattle. Ironic that they've got a similar color scheme uh, to Seattle. Bolting, you know, they had been around since the late '60s, and that's a that's a fan base you just can't disrupt like that. We know they they do it. It's happened before. It's not unprecedented, but it it it'd be really, really, really unfortunate to lose the
1: A's in Oakland. Nashville 90% athletics. trying to push that re- negotiation fee. Yeah. And out of that 10%, I'd probably place Nashville as the third choice behind staying in Oakland with a new stadium and following the Raiders to Las Vegas.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Vegas. Oh, I'm so mad Vegas is getting all this stuff. But it is going to make for a good Vegas trip someday. But then again, you know, I, I definitely want, as much as I like this excitement for Nashville and this, this really quick growth, I want it to be paced, right? There's other things that we could totally get into, like transportation and and infrastructure and things <laughs> like that. That that really should come oh, up, dream should really come along with things like this. But even beyond that, right? Like, we don't we don't set it up to be a bust, right? Like we have baseball in Nashville, we have good, fun baseball atmosphere, which means that you can go watch all of the four major sports in the Nashville area. Uh, at minimum in ten, in Tennessee um, and and uh, MLS you've got a lot of options so it's it's nothing I feel like we need to rush into, but I'm glad the plan is is in place
1: and of course you got to be in the discussion to be in the discussion later That's exactly so just that's got to start the name somewhere. is out there is a good thing it is And so this it's, brings it's money. a testament to all the hard work that you know MLB to Nashville and the stars are doing true to raise that national profile and put yourself out there just in case something does fall through, you know, name's in the discussion. Got to be in it to win it.
0: Agreed. Agreed. It's a good start. And that just means good momentum for Nashville, which turns everything we've talked to today into even more good stuff. All the playoff pushes, all the success for these teams, all the facts that they're playing in front of all these people that have moved to Nashville now in the last year. This is, this is, Going to be another turning point. I can't wait for the next It City" article to come out and list Nashville right there.
1: I just can't. Can't wait for us to be back at the stadium, man. Me either, dude. Me either, dude. I can't wait to
0: see you. I'm going to see you face to face in a little bit, which I'm really excited about.
1: Yeah, you'll be back in Nashville. So That's right. We'll uh, we'll tear up the town.
0: Can cannot wait, my man. And we'll we'll try to get some of these going as well uh, to keep everybody updated. I love these happy hour hangs.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Good time. Cheers.
0: Right back at you, my man. Thanks for jumping on today.
1: Good stuff. And of course, we're here all the time on WXNA. 101.5 FM here in Nashville. WXNAfm.org. Anywhere worldwide streaming. Check the archives. Listen to old episodes. Whatever you need to do. It's all right there for you. And we're thrilled to be there every single week for you guys. Except this Sunday.
0: Except this Sunday. But you can count on us all the time. We'll see you there.
1: (laughs) See you.